0: Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Clichés! That's what we're talking about.
1: (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to the B&E
0: podcast. I'm Evan. (laughs) And I'm Brandon. And we clearly have our shit together today.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're in a weird, we're in a weird, weird headspace today. Not quite sure what it is, but that's all right. Yeah. We're just going to sit here and we're going to conversate (laughs) on a topic that uh, we've, we've touched on before. You know what's, you know
0: what's funny about this whole thing is that it's kind of original. Like it's not typical is it? You know what I mean? Like if you listen to the other podcasts, the beginning, they don't start like this. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing cliché about this. Yeah,
1: not for us. No.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not for us. Not for us. Maybe for someone else.
1: Yeah. 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 But for us it's an original <laughs> on this show. Um so yeah, clichés. Um yeah, we've talked a lot about clichés. Uh I thought it would just be something interesting to get into uh, writing, directing, acting filmmakers. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of examples that we can point to there as well as, um, you know, I think we can get into why it's important to be aware of when you're slipping into cliches and, uh, and how that impacts you as an artist or as, uh, as a creative.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it, you know, it affects a lot of, uh, a lot of, it affects, it's, it's a big deal actually. I mean, I think cliches, um, they take away a, a large part of the work that you do. I mean, I, I find that, you know, early writers, for example, their scripts tend to be really cliche, you know, but, uh, people who are more experienced as writers tend to, not always, but at Also least by early
1: writers, you mean like people who are just getting into writing, mm-hmm. not like early writers as in like, you know,
0: the ancient Greeks <laughs> were just, they were, No, no, not, not, no, not ancient writers. Okay. Yeah. I mean, people who are new to writing. Yeah, they, uh, they tend to, uh, you know, you kind of write what you know a little bit, I suppose. Um, I mean, I know I did it, and I'm sure you probably did too. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, your first scripts tend to be more cliche because, especially if you haven't read a lot of scripts, because, you know, you think that's the problem with a cliche. A lot of the time you think it's original when you come up with it, or you think, oh, this would be cool. You're not even thinking about it at all. Um, but then I think as you become more experienced as a writer, you start to realize, oh no, this is cliche and you identify it before you even want to write it down. Um, but a lot of, you know, first drafts or early drafts of first time writers, their first script tends to be quite cliche because, you know, they've, they saw it in some other movie or they, you know, or whatever. And they kind of use it, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, that's, well, it's, I mean, there's like, we can definitely let's, let's just point to like some examples of cliches, uh, that have been so like used over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. like in, uh, you know, in screenwriting or in movies, you know, the line we've got company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's, that's like case in point right there. Like that's, if you don't know what a cliche is, you've heard that so many times. It's just completely derivative of something that's been said. Like, at one point in time, that line was super original. Like, somebody put that line... It'd be interesting to actually look, to find out when the, f- the first movie was that used that. (laughs) Right. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Because people probably loved it. They're like, oh, there was this great line. I, that's how people talked at this point (laughs) in time. Apparently he's like, it's like, there was this line. It was hilarious that we got company. They're being chased by men with guns. Um, and it's a funny line when you think about it, I guess. But now it's like, we don't even register. Like, does that line even register with us anymore? Like someone just says it and it's just like,
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. It's gone. Yeah. Like you just like, it's a throwaway at this point. Yeah. It's a throwaway. I mean, unless, unless someone takes it knowing they're making a joke out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing about a cliche is that if you don't realize it's a cliche, it's like, everyone's in on the joke except you because people are laughing at it. But if you didn't write it cause you're funny, you know, you're being funny about it. Then you don't even realize that you kind of did something that was kind of you know, and it's not, I don't think it's a problem to like do cliches necessarily initially when you're creating, but uh, definitely in the editing process, you want to like identify cliches.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, that's a good point. Really great point to make, especially for, for writers. I mean, when oftentimes that first draft, when you're just hammering that thing down, you're going to see so like lots and lots of cliches come up, like from, from really overt ones to ones that are like a little bit kind of more nuanced types of cliches that I find that they're, I find cliches in all sorts of like little spots, you know, like these, just these tiny little things where you're like, oh, that's, that's kind of a cliche. That's like, or nobody really says something like that. That's some, or nobody really does something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I I mean, I guess it's, it does, it is dependent somewhat to a degree on what sort of a genre that you're doing, or if you're doing a satire, you know, sometimes like the same types of rules don't apply, but I think on a, on, on a, the biggest sort of level on, like on, on for the most part, cliches or something that you want to start eliminating from, from your work.
0: Yeah. I agree. (laughs) But also cliches are not just something that they're not just something that comes up in dialogue and the action. I mean, cliches come up in all sorts of ways, especially with writing where it's like just a character. For example, I mean, the East Indian person working at the supermarket, Uh, you know, in a way like that's, that's a cliche. That's just common. We've seen that before. It's not, it's not really unique. So you could take that character and you could, you know, you could say, well, there are a lot of East Indians that work at supermarkets, it's quite a common thing. So you could say, well, okay, great. It's common. It is a common thing. And yeah, you can, it's not to say that it's a problem in the script, but that type of cliche is the thing about that is you have to know that you're going for common, you know, you have to, you know, and, and the other question is, you know, you start to look at stereotypes. Do you want to play into the stereotype? You know, the other thing too, is having, uh, having the damsel in distress, It's very cliche now. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's something that really worked for a while in storytelling and cinema and stuff. And now the damsel in distress doesn't really work anymore. In fact, you, you know, at least right now you start to look at a lot of these, the best movies that are made. Um, I mean, jump back to star Wars, you know, it's, they played against the damsel in distress. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of other movies that are doing that where they're giving uh, the female characters more powerful roles, you know? And so cliches is, is kind of like, when you kind of see things that have already been done a lot and you're doing something that's already been done a lot, that's usually a sign you're in cliche world, right? Like common isn't it? Is, I don't think it's something that is like, Oh, don't ever do anything that's common. There's going to be things that are common, but I think you need to like go and, and really question, do I want to just have my, like how much of my script is common, you know, and right. how, or how much of my story is common and how much do I want to kind of like see where I can find some originality here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these things, um, you know, also the way, I mean, the way you do anything, I mean, if you're doing it because you saw it somewhere else, like I think you really got to check in what's the reason why I'm doing this. Is it just easy? It's the first thing that comes to my mind. That's the problem with cliches because they're so common. They usually are the first thing that comes to your mind. So that's why you use them.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's, I think it also comes from a thing like you know, you want, you want what you're doing to be good, right? Like this, this, desire for something to be good. And so you do think you, you take things, you copy things that you saw in things that have been successful, you know, or that have had a level of success. And so you try and take from that, put it into your own thing and, you know, hope that it all, it will all work. Um, you know, and, and that's not, that doesn't mean that you can't take inspiration from other things that, that you've come across in, in your path. But, uh, when, yeah, like when you're just taking these things, especially stuff that's just been used over and over and over again, like, again, like with, uh, like characters, like, you know, the, the hooker with the heart of gold, (laughs) right? Like, it's like, again, we've seen that, we've seen that type. We've seen the, you know, like we've seen the, the maverick type of character we've seen. I mean, there's arch, there's archetypes, but you know, and, and it doesn't mean you can't start from an archetype of, of some kind, but always search for the, for, for something original in it because, and, and this was something that for me is when you, when I find myself playing into cliches, when I'm, when I'm, I've, I've written something or even in my acting, when I'm going towards a direction when like my mind is trying to steer me towards something. I'm like, oh, and then I'm going to do this. There's like, you should do this. And it'd be like this really powerful moment and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, you know, that's, that's first sign that like that I, I need to actually, in some ways, like just dial it back a little bit and say like, okay, well, I'm not going to necessarily avoid going down that, but I'm not going to consciously go towards that either. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because yeah, once you once you start I once you start mentally I don't know, I'm, I can't necessarily wrap myself around this one right now, but um I don't know, when you start when you start heading down this path of of trying to do something out of the sake of being interesting or you want something to be liked, to me it speaks of it and, and yeah, this is what I was getting back to is was that it's usually because I'm not trusting myself. Hmm. That's usually what it comes down to. It's like, I don't trust myself with doing this for whatever reason. So I'm going to just use something that I've seen done before because I've seen that, that seen that work.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, you know, it's funny because cliches are in a way, I think, uh, a way out from having to think and be creative, but they're also, Um, sometimes they're thought out in a way, but they're thought out from like a very safe place. And I think you brought up a really good point about acting. I mean, when people try to control their performance, where they go, they have an idea, they read a scene and they go, oh, at this point in the scene, it'll probably happen this way. Well, how did you know that? You know, like you, you must have experienced that before, saw that somewhere. Like, how did you deduct that it would look that way? You know, oh, this is the point where they cry. I mean, they could laugh hysterically. They could get super angry. The whole bunch of things could happen. So the, the first initial thought or the thing you're trying to control towards is often the cliche. I mean, that's, you know, where does that come from? And I think that's the thing about being in the moment and acting. You, you, you find out when you get there, you know, and writing is the same way. You know, it's like, you can have these plot points, these points in the story that will occur, but like, how the characters are going to respond to that, how they're going to deal with it, you know, the dynamics of their interactions and stuff. You can try to make a guess, but you don't really know until, until you get there and then you let it happen. Yeah. You know, and I think the, th- the problem with cliches is a lot of the time they're these ideas that are planned out with the expectation that, oh, this will work, you know, but it ironically doesn't work because, you know, you played into the cliche. Yeah. Well, because there's no surprise, mm-hmm. you know, like we, there's, there's, cliches
1: eliminate that sense of anything can happen, right? Because it's like, oh, well, I've already seen this before, so I'm going to see all the rest of this. and I'm going to see all the rest of this. It, it, it's interesting. My, um, my future sister-in-law is, uh, staying with me and my fiance for the last, you know, week or so. And so that she's was been, a
0: loaded description. So that
1: was, uh, <laughs> so we're, so we are, uh,
0: <laughs> go on. we <we're,
1: laughs> So she's, um, she was just like watching, she was just watching Netflix and she's watching a show on there that she's really into. And I know a lot of, I know a lot of people who've actually really been into it. I'm, I won't say what the show is, but, um, it's a, it's a Netflix original show. And I was, I was watching like a little bit of it, just like from the kitchen, you know, I'm making some dinner. She was watching this thing. And so, uh, you know they're they're in the in the living room watching it a little bit, and you know her sister just loves this show, and I'm only picking up little bits of it, and I'm like, mm, okay, you know, like, but I haven't actually really sat down and watched it. But Cat, um, my fiance, was watching it, and when the episode was over, she was like, I just don't think she's like she's like yeah, I don't think Evan will like this. <laughs> she like she just knows me that way, but from what I, I was getting from what it was, I was like, well, yeah, this is kind of a style of writing. Like it was the writing, which w- in particular, actually, the, act- the act- which she said she's like, Evan wouldn't like the writing. <laughs> and yeah, it was like, because I'm like, yeah, I've, I've seen this kind of stuff before, you know, I've, I've seen this type of material, this, and, and it is, like I said, it's a, it was a style that was, maybe consciously decided upon, at which point it's like, okay, well then it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm like, well, this is kind of cliche, you know, like for me, like where and this is, a, I guess, subjective on my part. I'm always drawn to stuff that, that really hits home in some way, like really just hits me as being truthful. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I'm always looking for is like, whoa, did that just take on some subject matter that hit me as being like, yeah, like that was really truthful. The way that that was expressed, the way that that was handled, you know, really touched something in me. And for me, this show of the bit that I was watching it, I was like, I'm, you know, it feels like everything was just like a setup for a punchline, Mm. you know, and there wasn't like a whole lot that I was actually really connecting to in it. It was just like a couple of like really far out characters who I just had, no, no sense of, of believing who they were in reality, Hmm. you know? And it was, and it was, it had like, it has like this really old sort of New York Broadway style of writing to it, you know, like it's, and it is of a, it it does have a certain entertainment value, but my thing was just like, well, but I've seen that before. Mm -hmm. I've read so many plays like that. I've performed scenes in plays like that a million times before and it's fun. Right. (laughs) But you know, when it's, it there, yeah, there, it was just like, I guess, and there were just some cliches in there where you're just like, I don't know. I kind of feel like, even though I haven't seen this, like I was expecting this.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, what you're talking about, you're kind of talking about the maturity uh, as an audience member. I mean, because for someone who sees a movie for the first time, it's all new to them you know, or whatever, you know, in a lot of ways, a cliche, um, the first time you see it is not a cliche. It's, you know, the first time you saw it. So even if it was a cliche of something else, in some ways it's original to you. But I think that's the thing is like, you know, there's a, depending on what genre you're writing in or what style or whatever, let's talk about writing. I just know that like, there's different demands on the writers, you know, like, um, if you're writing for, you know, um, kids that are, kids that are between like six and, and 12 years old. I mean, you know, your originality does not need to be, it's the, you know, your standards are not that high. The maturity of your writing does not need to be as high to some degree because everything's new to them. You know, when, when the, you know, people consume a lot of media now, so they consume a lot of story too. So now like, you know, teenagers are pretty mature comparatively to what they used to be. So they've seen a lot of stuff. So cliches start to stand out to them. You know, they have a certain understanding of how, say, plot structure and story structure is going to go. So they already kind of have an expectation. I think, you know, as a creative, you need to be aware of cliches. I think cliches, the more you're aware of, the better you are. I mean, I think of someone like Orson Welles or something. And everyone's like, why was he so great? Well, he was so great in a lot of ways because he really understood what was a cliche and he knew how to, to he had a maturity in his, in his creative, uh, endeavors, which, you know, was original because he understood what the problems were, what things were falling into, you know? Um, you know, and then you can say that that's like writing and directing and whatever, but, uh, you know, you can look at like actors, uh, you know, I think people like you know, these, these people like Brando, Marlon Brando and James Dean and even Marilyn Monroe, you know, yeah, there's a certain uh, attractiveness about them, but there was also an originality about them. There was a kind of a way in which they, they did things that were not, you know, the way everyone had done them. And so, you know, that kind of broke cliches in a lot of ways. And I think there's, that's the thing about a cliche is that a lot of the time it does the job, but it just does the very basic job. And if it's a bad cliche, you know, you're like, that's so stupid. But, you know, I think the show that your future sister-in-law is watching (laughs) is, uh, you know, something where if it, if you're noticing cliches, people obviously like it, but it gets the job done, you know, but it doesn't, it's not a standout show because it doesn't have that real in-depth originality where you're like, wow, this is something really special. And I think, you know, um, that's the thing. Cause you know, I think in this discussion, what we're talking about is how audiences get, or how creatives can be more original and raise the level of their work, you know, to a higher quality. But I mean, are you going to get out all cliches? Oh, maybe not. But I think knowing about this and being aware of it, I mean, for people who want to win Oscars or something, they want to win big awards, you better get out of cliche land. Cause you know, for the most part, eh, occasionally like what was that the blind side? That movie was like, Oh, I never saw that one, uh, but well, there's like, you know, that was kind of a cliche movie, but it right. was like a heartfelt, heartfelt kind of movie. I don't even know why that even was up there, but you know, every once in a while there'll be these exceptions to the rule. But for the most part, if you look at most stuff, when it comes out, it's relatively very original and has a lot of profound elements in it. Yeah. You know, and the stuff that was made, uh, you know, that year, aside from that, you'll probably notice it was a little more common, a little more cliche, and a little less standout. And I think like, I mean, I would put the argument forward that more cliche, more common, less profound, less interesting, less dynamic, less standout. Um, The further away you are from the cliche, the further you are away from the common, the more you have something. But then the more risk you take, because who knows if it'll work. You know? Yeah,
1: you do. And, and you risk some people really not liking it mm-hmm. or really not getting it. But, you know, you, you risk the same thing by just diving into a lot of contrived, you know, cliches and, and stuff. It's completely derivative of something else. You know, it's, and the thing is like, you know, there's, there's a familiarity to it that oftentimes people really do respond to. Like there's, you know, sometimes familiar is not necessarily bad, but you know if you're if you're watching a movie and i've i've seen stuff like this usually shortly before i i turn it off but you know it's like Oh, okay great now we have the scene where <laughs> you know he for whatever reason has some kind of this is one of the reasons why i i'm just not a fan of most romantic comedies is because they just like they follow into this formula? you know this formula that um and and then cliches within the formula, you know, that you're, you, you you have seen it so often. And it's like, even the changes that are, that have been made are, are so inconsequential to how the overall story goes. It's like, he's you know, like, Oh, okay. It's like, we're here. We've got, you know, this woman who's working in an ad agency, or she's just started her, her own, you know printing house or she's just done this or you know some who doesn't have time for love okay great and you've seen that and it's like yeah. now this relationship with this partner of a year has ended and now we get the scene where the friend or the family member picks her up and now we have the scene where she decides to do something crazy and move somewhere and now we have the scene where she has an encounter with one of the new locals and now we have like you know just that kind of yeah. thing. you're just like holy crap. Like how many times do I have to watch this movie?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's like, it, it's it, and it doesn't matter. All the little things in between don't really seem to matter at all because it's still just following the same damn thing. That's like when a whole movie becomes a giant cliche Yeah, and you know, rotten tomatoes has a field day with it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, uh, I, I think, uh, a lot of movies like that are made and they have, uh, kind of a structural placeholder, so to speak. And then really they're trying to get unique or new laughs within that, within that structure. Um, because, you know, for example, I mean, rom-coms, you know, one of the foundational rules for most rom-coms is you have two people and at first they don't like each other but by the end of the movie, they do like each other. Yeah. And that's the basic arc, basic structure. So you put this in a, in a whole bunch of different scenarios, you know, change it up, change the environment, change the people, whatever. Um, it ultimately all works out the same way. You know, that's going to happen. Um, now it's just a matter of like, okay, well, can they make me laugh and can they make this funny? Well, I go through this process. I already know is going to go this way. Yeah. You know, and I think that for, I mean, that's kind of like rom-coms are kind of, for the most part, you know, they're popcorn entertainment. They're just, there, like feel good, you know, uh, connect to this idea of romantic love and for the most part, and, uh, you know, have some laughs, you know, they're not necessary. A lot of them aren't done to like change the world and, you know, and I guess, I don't know. I don't look at the box office stats on them, but I guess they make money so they keep getting made. Right. Yeah. I mean, because, uh, yeah,
1: like fair enough. Like you can't, you know, you don't want to just have a, have a market of films that's just completely saturated by one thing and, and not, you know, explore other ideas. But I mean, I think that this actually gets into a little bit of what we've talked about in the past in terms of, you know, knowing structure, you know, check out our structure talk from (laughs) a few episodes back. Um, but you know, it's like, you know, we talk a lot about knowing the structure and knowing and how it is important to know these things. Um, But, you know, cliche is what happens when you completely just stick to the structure. You know, nothing original comes out of it. Mm -hmm. And, and that doesn't work either. You can't just, yeah, I mean, you can, I mean, you can just shovel that stuff out. But I mean, if, I don't know, is that, if that, is that going to make you happy? Mm -hmm. Like as, as a writer, like, I don't know, it might mean some money, I guess.
0: Well, you know, you. you. (laughs) you know, you know, what's funny is, uh, hope and doubt are powerful tools in storytelling because, you know, it's funny. You could talk to just about anybody and you could say, you know, I could, I could, I could talk to anybody Could say, you know, you're going to go through some hard times in your life, you know, and, and they're going to go, Oh, maybe, maybe not. But the thing is, is we all know you're going to go through some hard times. You're going to feel down again. Here's the thing though. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know how it's going to happen. You know how it's going to come about, but this is a structural point of your life. You know, you're going to feel low at some point you're going to face somehow feel sad. You're going to experience some loss. Someone's going to die. I mean, it's inevitable. You know, it's, it's, it's part of, it's part of life. It's part of growing up. It's part of existing. So, you know, in a way we know these things are going to happen. And I think that's the thing about structure. Structure is, I know these things are going to happen. I don't know when they're going to happen. I don't know how they're going to happen. I mean, I could be looking at my watch timing out when they're going to happen, but if I'm doing that, I'm probably not enjoying the movie anyway. You know what I mean? And the other thing is you'll have writers who get crafty and they'll throw things in where they do it in a way that you've never seen it before. But the structure is the exact same. And this is like life. And so I think like people harp on structure because they go, you know, and I, I kind of like defend structure because I look at it and I go, well, you you know, it doesn't matter what you do. You can try to be like, I'm an artist and I make art films and I, I don't follow the Hollywood structure. Your film is still going to follow the same structure. Ultimately, these things still happen. There's going to be a climax at some point. You know, even if you do your climax premature, I mean it's just like really bad sex, you know? Yeah. But it still happened. You know, your highest point happened at some point. Your lowest point happened at some point. Why not be a little bit more mindful about how you plan that out so you don't like prematurely have a climax and then have a underwhelming rest of your movie. You know what I mean? So I mean the thing is is that just because structure or climax tends to happen really close to the end of the movie doesn't mean that your climax necessarily needs to happen there, but there's reasonings why it does. And this is the thing about life. Is like, you can tell someone, you know, you're going to have a great day in your life. And they, and, and the thing is, is people have hope for that. And they also have doubt for that. And I think in, when you're creating something, you need to create a sense of doubt and a sense of hope in the audience. And, uh, if they don't have hope or doubt. You are really in cliche land because they feel like they already know what's going to happen the way it's going to happen. I mean, and that's, that's, you know, you lose interest because there's nothing new, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, that's my point on it.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that also with, uh, with cliches, it's like, you know, it's sometimes it's cliches can actually be a, a really terrific tool like when you're aware of them. Yeah. When they come up, like if you're, if you're falling into one, you can go, it's like, well, what would be, and you say, oh, well, I've, I've just written a total, this character is a complete cliche. They're, com- you know, they're just, I've just basically ripped this person from, you know, this action movie and that drama or whatever. And and she's so like, well, what what's something else that I could bring to this? What, like, how can I go against this? What can I bring to this? That, um, and I think we mentioned this on, on other past podcast where it's like, you know, sometimes just like a small change, you know, can really have a massive impact mm-hmm. on something where you just go like, whoa, like, I've never seen somebody take on th- a character like this in that way before, mm-hmm. or, or treat this sort of moment in a film this way, in a story this way, right? Like there's, you know, but, but get original, like get, (laughs) get original with what you're doing. Like, because otherwise what's the point? I mean, there's, there's a million me too people. And, you know, I, I guess there are, are things that are cliche that are still being developed, things that are still being made, you know, uh, but, it, I guess it's all like in, in comes down to like, well, what's good enough for you? How far do you want to go with your work? Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to go to a level that's, that's beyond, you know, just what's common? Like, do you just want to do nothing but common cliche types of work? You know I mean? Yeah. And they'll probably, they there will always be things like that being made. Right. But
0: I don't know. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, it comes down to like, especially with story, it comes down to premise. You know, like there's so many movies right now and you see them pop up all the time, you know, and these independent movies that never go anywhere, these scripts that never go anywhere. And it's about some girl that's doing what a guy would normally do. Like she's, she's a boxer or she's in the military or something. And it's like, it's like, okay, that was original once, but that's not an original premise anymore. It's not a problem that she's a boxer. It's not a problem that she, you know, is in the military. That's a fine thing to have as the backdrop of your story. But just understand that that is not original anymore. That is not an original premise. You know, um, for example, you know, this detective movie that I've been doing being a detective in an undercover story is not original. Like it's a fine backdrop for a story. It's an interesting world but there's nothing original about that. It's quite common. Does that mean I should never make an undercover story? Well, no, not necessarily, but I have to know what's common and what isn't common, you know? And so there's other elements of the story, which are uncommon, which, which take us into a world that most people never get to see. Yeah. But this is the thing, you know, is like, uh, you know, and, and the funny thing is, you know, you have all these people who are like, they've written their script and they're like, they want to get it made. And they don't realize that it's cliche, or they don't realize that their that their selling point is common. You know, and so if I can if 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 I've seen this script before already, first of all, it's not really gonna sell that well, probably because most people are gonna be like, yeah, I've seen that movie before. The other thing too is if it's common there's probably like 10 or 20 or a hundred or a thousand other people who have literally written scripts just like yours. And yeah, they're different, different character names, different backstory, different relationships. But at the end of the day, it's all pretty much the same stuff anyway. And then you got people on the other end of the spectrum where they're like, you know what, my script's going to be totally original. And, and the thing is, is I think this is the point that you were making earlier is that some cliche, some common things are actually good. Like for example, you might date someone and then it doesn't go very well. Or you maybe you want to date someone different or whatever. I don't know. But you're probably not going to want to date an alien. You're just going to want to date someone a little bit different. Not like, a, you like you're probably not going to go, well, they have to be a different race. They have to be a different height. They have to be, you know they have to be a, like a different sex. You know, you're not going to totally change, you know, you're going to change a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to look for little differences. And, and this is the thing is that, you know, I think with a script, I think these originalities, they're, they are small. They're not, they're not always the biggest thing in the world. The backdrop is sometimes very common, but it's, it's the way in which it's done. That's original. You yeah. Know? Like bridesmaids to me when it was made, you know, you could say, well, there's other movies that have like similar backdrop, but this had an originality to it. One thing it did in particular was it took women, women, and it really showed more of how women are with women, you know, more free, more, uh, you know, more crass, more like open, you know, and not so prissy and whatever, right. Which is, and, and the world at that time had never really seen that, you know, and now all these other movies that try to duplicate Bridesmaids, yeah, it's not original anymore. It's yeah. that, that premise has already kind of been done, you know? So anyway, I mean, I think when we're talking about these cliches, it's not to just go, okay, well, I'm never going to do anything that's ever been seen before. Cause I think, uh, we need to have a certain recognition that certain things, okay, I understand this, but yeah. then from there, then you, you let it blossom
1: yeah. up into something new. I, um, I recently came across this really terrific, uh, article by, uh, I believe his name is Tony Gilroy. He's a uh, he's an Oscar he's been an Oscar-nominated screenwriter. He's written a lot of really terrific, terrific films. Uh, and he had like it was like seven pieces of advice or something for screenwriters. Brilliant article, definitely look it up. But uh, one of them was uh, was start. He's like everyone says, think big. He's like think small. He's like he says most of my stories come up with just like a very very basic idea. Like, you know, what we would consider like a very, like your kind of like your log line, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, I wish I could remember which, which movie it it was, but it was like, he says, yeah, it was just like a really, really simple sort of like active idea, you know, about, you know, this person and their sort of their situation. Essentially that was, that, that was it, you know, person and their situation is in, and from that, He's like you will find that you're able to pull out all of these incredible ideas so you can you know start with a very basic premise a premise that's that is almost a cliche. He's like okay yeah it's like we've seen because you know those are one of those things where you know when they say oh everything's been told every we've told every story that there is to tell that's not true but on a certain like, you know, on, on base levels, I think that there, that there is a grain of truth to that, where it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, how many possibilities do you have for, you know, this, I don't know, like a, like a love story, Mm -hmm. you know, like we've seen a lot of different love stories, you know, men and women, men and men, women and women, older, younger, you know, rich, poor, well, like, you know, we've, we've run quite a gamut of what you can do on a basic level, but it's about getting, uh, to me, it's about getting to those truths that nobody's explored yet with that. To me, that's, that's where the originality comes in. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, what's the part of, of this relationship? What's the part of, you know, this circumstance, this situation that you've never seen done before? Mm Mm-hmm what haven't you seen done before? And maybe is driving you crazy that nobody's actually told this truthfully, Mm -hmm. right. About what this is actually like, Mm -hmm. then there's like, that's, that's your golden opportunity right there. And that's when cliches can sometimes work for you. Whereas you just go, it's like, I see where it it's missed something. You know, the cliche has like turns blinders on to a lot of things, you know, it's just like, it kind of gives it, blocks out all of your peripheral vision and it gets focused on like just this one thing. And the thing is you like, when it's just focused on that one thing, there's all the stuff that's being missed. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we also know where it's going because we're looking straight at it yeah. as well. Right. As an audience member, we're looking right at it too. So, you know, there's shift the focus, you know, use that peripheral and use those, uh, your experience of life. I think that's, that's, again, where like cliches often come from us distrusting our own capabilities to create our own capabilities to do something original. It's like, listen, you've, you've lived a unique life. Like there's no, like that's a fact. (laughs) Like there's, there's no, there's no questioning that there's no denying that nobody can ever tell you that the life that you've lived is completely ordinary. Mm hmm there's, there's no such thing as an ordinary life. You know, everyone has a unique take a unique experience of existence Mm -hmm. and, and you can bring that into your work. Like that's, that's a valid thing to do. In fact, that's, I, I think that the world is begging you for, for you to do that, you know, and it doesn't mean that you have to completely change the whole thing, but You can just in these little ways say it's like, well, nobody's ever told this. This is how I understand this thing. This is what I've seen Mm -hmm. out there, and this is how I've taken this in. And I'm gonna, I'm. That's what I'm going to share. That's the story that I'm going to tell. I mean, that's gold, Mm -hmm. absolutely.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. Like, I mean, right now, uh, because like business, for example, has all been you know very. It's been done a certain way, and now a lot of these you know online businesses and stuff are opening up and and you know the more niche market and the thing is is that there's these gaps in the industry that the big corporations big companies don't cover and then smaller people are coming in and they're filling in those gaps but the smaller people who try to copy what the big companies are doing are always going to lose because the big companies have more more people more money more power more more access more resources right but in the areas where nobody's helping anybody um that's an area where you know you can really help someone in business stories the same way you know there's there's many different detective stories that people have done, but this particular story no one's no one 's quite done it this way you know, and at least if they have they 've never done it in a way where it 's ever really worked you know and I think that that 's the thing is that you know in every every rewrite i'm working on that one you know it's it's venturing into this area so if I was to tell people it's a detective story, they're going to be like, yes, yeah, so what? Big deal. But the thing is, is when when you lay out the premise and you talk about the originality of it, you talk about what the story is really about, and people go, oh, that's really interesting. Um, and the thing is, I think that, you know, I, I think that if we want to be artists, I don't think you want to, you know, I don't think you, if you're being an artist because you just want to make money, I mean, okay, maybe that's one thing. You just want to be very commercial, fine. But I think if you actually want to be an artist that like has a voice and has some originality and and does something that's remembered and kind of profound, you got to look for those gaps, You got to look for those areas where, you know, no one's ever told a story about this, you know. Um, you know, for example, a little while back, you know, Hollywood tapped into the idea that no one ever told, no one ever really told the nerd story, the the geek, the dweebs, the, you know, the, you know, like there were certain things like Jet Apatow would pop up and Venge of the Nerds happened and whatever, but no one ever really kind of ventured in. They, you know, and, and then they started to realize, wow, this is a territory that has never really been opened up. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if you noticed, but a while back, just so many movies with like a nerdy lead character started coming up and, you know, those actors made big careers out of it. Right. Yeah. Um, And now if you try to do it, the thing is is that every new idea is always ultimately very general. And even when you refine it, it becomes general in what you refined. And there's always nuances. Like an idea can be essentially milked um for for so long. I mean there's so many stories that come with an idea. But every generality becomes a series of nuances and you need to find that nuance that you want to go with. If you try to make it general, like the original idea, it will just be a me too. But if you find the nuance, all of a sudden it's interesting. Like, yeah. for example, you could take the concept of the Godfather, for example, and you could, you know, we, we learned the story of the Godfather. We learned, you know, Al Pacino's story, right? Marlon Brando, right? And yeah. it's the Godfather. Uh, Fredo, who's his brother, who, you know, was basically the older brother who got shafted on, on, you know, basically being the godfather who was kind of weak and and struggling. You could make a whole new movie on that character and focus on him and the character who's not the main character, who's not the godfather, right? But he's the main character. I mean, but anyway, the thing is, is that like, now that all the movies have been done with like a lot of movies have been done with the leadership positions, you're going to start to find that the next thing will happen is movies with people who are not in the leadership positions. And then, you know, and then it'll be the girlfriends of the guys who are in the leadership positions, or, you know, it'll be always like, there's always all this room to explore. And, you know, and if you look at the eighties, all the action movies were, you know, done with a certain type of character. Now, you know, you start to find like, it's you know it changes there's other characters in these stories and i really think that the way to get around um uh, clichés is to start to go towards empathy that's at least my theory that's that's what i rely on i try to think you know cuz i remember growing up and I'm, I'm on my soapbox right now but i remember growing up and thinking you know of always being that lead hero guy you know the yeah. guy that had got all the women he was the leader he was the most admired, the most recognized and all that stuff. And I always kind of run project- into the firefight. <laughs> exactly. And just, just kind of fearless and super courageous. And, you know, you, you, you know, and that's kind of, it's great. Right. But then, um, you know, now I start to wonder more about, you know, what was the guy or, or the girl in their life was the one that got kind of screwed over. For example, you know, everybody like I, I love these, you're talking about rom-coms earlier. You're talking about you know, guy and girl have a crush, but she's dating someone else or he's dating someone else. And then they leave that other person at the altar or something. And then they go off and run off with this person. And we go, Oh, that's so wonderful. They're in love. And, and, they made that heroic thing and they reached out. What about the person that got left at the altar? That's an interesting story, right? And so then stories started getting told about the person who was left at the altar, right? There's always a yeah. room. What about the best man? What was going on in their story? What about the, the bridesmaid, you know, who's going on? What was their life like when this event was occurring? Like there's just all this room to explore, but we get so minutely focused on the wedding and the main characters and these like hero yeah. characters, right? Yeah. And that's the problem. That's where cliche exists. It exists in the common stories we always tell.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much, there's so much interesting and provocative things that happen in our everyday lives, you know, that we just, we don't think of it that way. That That's one of the things I love about, and it's usually happens very often in the realm of dramedy, which is one of my favorite genres, but you know, they, they, get into like this sort of area, you know, they, 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 well, at least they can get into, into this sort of space that, um, I'm totally losing my train of thought here again. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) just awkwardly laugh.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no, we were talking about, yeah, like these, these like, well, what about this person or what about what happens to that person? And And that's right. Just like everyday sort of, of life. Um, I love movies that, that actually show the magic of the things that we overlook, you know, like these things, these moments that happen in our own lives that, you know, very often we just like, we don't even, we don't even acknowledge them. We're not even present to them, Mm -hmm. you know, until maybe later and we go, Oh yeah, I remember when we spent this day and we went and did that, you know, like I, I think a great movie does something like that. It doesn't need to be against, you know, the backdrop of the American civil war or something like that. Like it can be the backdrop of, you know, someone's, uh, you know, some kids, you know, summer vacation. Yeah. You know, I've seen great movies with that Mm -hmm. as a backdrop where it's just like, everything seems to be pretty normal. Mm -hmm. Right. But like when you, and with a little bit of effort and a little bit of originality, you know, some, some digging in there, there's a lot of, of really beautiful stuff in there. Like mm-hmm. how many people, how many, you know, summers from your childhood have been so memorable to you? Why were they so memorable for you? Right. Like that was, and, and, but we, we just, we don't acknowledge them. You know, we, we, we invalidate them for whatever reason, we think that they're so uninteresting and that everything's got to be, everything's got to be so huge, right? Like we've got a it's got to be set in space or it's got to be set against a war or it's got to be it's set against aliens or robots or mm-hmm. I don't know, just like craziness.
0: Yeah. 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 The, the, a lot of time those, you know, those interpersonal stories in whatever genre it's in, they're the ones that are, the most fascinating, the most interesting, not necessarily the most commercial. No, I will agree, but well, that's the thing is like, you know, there's, uh, I mean, you know, it's funny this whole idea too, with, with commercial, because I think commercial and cliche, um, they like to hold hands, but they're not friends. (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they like to come together to the party, but they hate each other while they're there. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You know? And it's like, uh, it's, it's kind of like funny because in certain ways, in certain ways they, they go together, but in, in ways like, it's almost like, I think the most, the best kind of like, uh, commercial movies, they take the cliche they, they, they are aware of it. And then they use the cliche to their advantage. They don't try and reinvent the cliche. They realize the cliche needs to be there. But then what they do is they alter the cliche so that the cliche is no longer cliche, but it only looks like it's going to be cliche. And then you're like, wait a minute, I thought it was going to go this way. And it totally went some other way. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's where those movies, uh, that, you know, and commercial, we can talk about all sorts of genres. And I mean, I, you know, I'm not really thinking of some off the top of my head, and I don't want to just list a bunch. I want to think about it before I would, I would list those off. But um, yeah, I mean, those movies, just look at any hit movie that's very commercial, but yet happen to be original. Just look at it. it, it a lot of the time, it, it's like going into the cliche, but then it doesn't follow the cliche. It breaks the cliche, but it's using it. Like, um, and that way they don't, they, you know, they don't become they don't sabotage each other in a way they help each other, you know? Um, and I think like those, those, uh, art movies, those, uh, festival movies that no one ever sees (laughs) except in that festival or they never even get to a festival or their script that never gets made. Um, you know, they have things where they're, they're not commercial enough because there's nothing, there's, there's, there's kind of like, you know, like at the end of the day, that's the thing is that a lot of things are going to be common. Like, you know, you can meet someone else. Like I was just, for example, I was working on this story. I'm, I've, I've been working on where the guy survived on the mountain and we were talking about it. And he said, you know, today he shared with me, um, I feel like getting caught up on the mountain was kind of like my destiny because I think about who I've changed or who I've changed into and the lives I've affected because of this change. Like this event that happened in my life, he was like, for example. Um, there was a couple of friends who wouldn't talk to each other for 10 years because of this little thing that happened. And after that happened to me and I nearly died, they basically were like, this is petty. Our argument's petty. And they became friends again. And, you know, he was saying like, I kind of feel like it was kind of my destiny in a way to like, and he's like, the way I was going in my life, I don't think I would have changed, you know, as a person, unless this had happened. And then I was relating back to my story. I was thinking about the things that had happened over the last few years. And I was like, yeah, I feel the same way. Like if I never went through what I went through, uh, you know, I never would have kind of changed. And like, I think about the effect that I've been having on people's lives now, um, because of that change. And I, I think our stories are totally different yet we connect in the same way. And, and story, I mean, I know we're talking a lot about movies. I don't know. It's just my expertise, but yeah. But, uh, I think people in a certain way, we need to be able to connect your story in some way, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the same. And I think that's where, you know, uh, like, I don't know. I mean, I think that's where commercial stories and artistic films, you know, they need to meet somewhere in the middle, you know, they need to find some type of common ground, but then from that common ground, then they can explore. But without any common ground, you know, you're, you're not even going to communicate, You know, I used to talk about this, um, you know, three or four years ago, and I remember teaching this to to people as I was beginning to teach film class. And I said, you need to be in rapport with the audience. You know, you need to find a rapport with them. You need to find an likeness. They need to find an likeness to the character and a likeness to the story. They need to relate somehow if they can't relate in any way, if they can't even try it on or connect connect, to it, they're going to be separated from it. And if they're separated from it, then they're not going to like it. And like, you can see this in politics. What do they want to do if they want to get you to hate someone from another country or another culture, another race, get you to feel separate from them, get you out of rapport with them. Right. But the moment you're in rapport with someone, the moment that you start to see, wait, I'm like this person. This person is like me. It's really hard to hate them because that means you hate yourself, right? And the audience, the watching a movie, they need to find some common ground. So, common cliche, you know, these things are not bad. They just need you need to be aware of them. I think that's the key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting topic because you know you hear cliche and like. Whenever you and I refer to it, we go, oh, avoid cliches at all costs. <laughs> but yeah. I think it's I think it's maybe like a, a separation between looking at is it cliche or is it common? You know, like because common is not great, but it's not necessarily bad. Cliche is like kind of like I've copied something else I've already seen. It's already been done before. I think yeah. that's when common becomes cliche.
1: Yeah. You know?
0: I would like to maybe
1: use the word familiar. Familiar. Okay. You know, just like, because
0: yeah, that's a better word. I like that. Because, just as opposed to common. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just like, you know, there's, cause there isn't anything necessarily wrong with familiar. Familiar can often make something very accessible. Mm. And oftentimes, you know, if you really, if, if there's a message you really want to try and, and communicate familiar is often a really terrific way to do that because, you know, you, you have an audience who's already, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I, I, I've seen this kind of thing before. I like this kind of thing, you know, like if they're, if they're going to see it, you know, they probably have some level of interest in, in whatever it is you're taking on. Right. Um, so there's sort of an openness to it. That's already there. You know, there's already some kind of an agreement that that's been made. It's like, okay, well I'm here to see this. I'm, I'm hoping you're going to give this to me, you know, like based on from what I've, I've seen. And, and so now you've got, you've actually got a window into somebody and now you say, say, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like we're absolutely, we're doing this, we're doing this, this type of a story for you. But now there's this whole other thing that I'm sliding in that you haven't got before. Right. You know, and, and suddenly, you, because now you already have an open receptive audience member, you know, to what you're yeah. doing and, and you can do something different within that. You can break some of the things that are, you, would be the cliches of Uh, because I think, you know, especially with genres, with genre, genres in in films and stuff, you know, it can become really easy to slip into cliche, Um, just because they are such a specific type of thing. So you grab on to these elements that are always seeming to be in them, right? And so you can get an audience, an open audience member based on that. But it's also a terrific opportunity to do something different and and have somebody who's already there paying attention mm. as opposed to selling
0: somebody something that they don't want. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. I like this word familiar. I think it is better than using the word common because, you know, common kind of stinks of being unoriginal, you know, whereas like Familiar, it reminds me of this, but it's different, you know? And I think about, like, uh, actually, you know, and people can go back to one of our first talks where we talked about Star Wars and stuff. But uh, that was one of the things that J.J. J. Abrams did, I think, you know, he kept a certain familiarity. Um, and he kept a familiarity to the original movies, which gave us a certain rapport to them. And that's, and then, but it was different. It was different within the familiarity. And I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of movies like that, you know, like, um, I remember when Bridesmaids came out, I remember thinking, this seems very familiar to Wedding Crashers. To me that, you know, it was totally different movie, but it had a familiarity to it. So I think that was part of the, you know, that's, that's part of like how these movies work in a lot of ways where you go, oh, I think I'm going to have a similar experience, you know, it's, where it's going to be like that. And, and the familiarity is good in that way because you can kind of, you know, you're not just starting from scratch but uh but then, within the familiarity, it's it's different, and it's unique. I think this is a you know a good way to look at things because you know, I think some movies where there's no familiarity, it's like I've never seen or thought of anything like this before. I suppose they can work to some degree, but I, I think in a lot of ways, movies have familiarities to something else, you know I mean, even if you were to say I was talking about that Godfather example, where what if the movie was about Fredo, right? it would have, it could have a familiarity to the Godfather, but then, you know, the story is totally different. It's focused on different characters and different, you know, character arc and structure and dilemmas. Right. Um, so yeah, um, I think this is, it's a, it's a good thing to do. Like if you want to be in the commercial world of film, you know, I think familiarity is important. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just part of the, part of the packaging.
1: But I think it's still, um it's important that, you know, you, you break the cliches, like you can use the familiarity, but you can still break the cliches. Right. And, you know, I, like, I want to see if I can branch this out into something else, like in, in music, for example. Sure. You know, like, um, and one of the things that I've, I've noticed with a lot of popular music, top 40 and that sort of thing, or, or clubbies, you know, they like, there was, I mean, there still is a lot of this, but you know, like a cliche in music would be, you know, like one of those songs that, you know, has, has a lyric in it that goes something like the way she moves her body on the floor, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like I've heard something to that effect, like a million times in, you know, like some sort of a dance club song or whatever. Okay. And I'm hearing less and less and less and less of that you know, um, still there, but what's that?
0: You are hearing less of that.
1: I I am hearing less of that. (laughs) I feel like I'm hearing less of that. Maybe I'm just not listening to as much of it, but, (laughs) (laughs) but no, I just find it's interesting because now there's artists that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be like necessarily in their genres. Um, you know, um, my fiance, she was she had a, she was playing, cause I don't really listen to the radio too much, but she had, she was playing this one song and it was hip hop. I wish I could remember who it was, but like the lyrically it was, it was really quite like, uh, ex- it was really accessible. Like it was not, it was not about like having tons of money and, you know, like, Parting it up and having tons of women around and this and that, all of that, you know, sort of thing that has permeated, you know, a lot of hip hop for a long time. And I thought, wow, that's just like, that feels so refreshing, hmm. you know, to have somebody who is actually like basically talking about like the lyrics were, were very much about world issues that like anybody could relate to. Hmm. Uh, that's really terrific. You know, like it's like, because there's so much of, of, you know, that whole of, of a certain side of hip hop that was going on. I'm just like, I can't relate to this. Like, I don't like, there's like, yeah, maybe the beat's good and that's great. And that's what you grab onto or whatever. But, you know, lyrically it wasn't doing much, you know, um, someone like Lord, I thought she was, she was really great. She's really great in the music scene as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like just using, using sort of a a style of music that's already somewhat popular. Right. And, you know, maybe they're doing a couple of different things, but something that was familiar, you know, like, I don't think when Lord came out and hit the airwaves that, you know, necessarily it was completely like in terms of the sound, like it was something so far off from what anybody was doing, Mm -hmm. but lyrically she was doing something quite different on top of that as well. So people are already like, sort of enjoying the beats and the sounds and like, you know, vibing to that whole thing. But now there's this whole other, and I think that's what I meant by it's like now, but with that, that was almost just like a vehicle for her to just, you know, come out and, and say like, like, you know, we're like, we're not like driving in you know, Ferraris and Bentleys or whatever, and we don't care, right? Like we, like it was just like a whole, it was, some of her songs became almost an anthem mm-hmm. for everyday people. You know what I mean?
0: Right. It's interesting. You know, I was wondering if, uh, like, you know, say back in the forties or sixties, even like if music today, if it came out back then, how people would respond to it. You know what oh, I mean?
1: Like, it, I, I can't even, remember. it would have been just like, because if you want to go back to that, that sort of time. I mean, like when I think of like the dawn of rock and roll, like Elvis, like they wouldn't show Elvis Presley on TV.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, because of his like,
0: yeah, his wiggling dance, his hips. Wiggling yeah. his, hips, <laughs> his
1: they, Like rock and roll was the devil's music. Like that wasn't, you know, today we just think of that as some sort of like a, like a funny, a funny thing from the past. That was very real then. Yeah. That was very real. Like there was towns that were, that were burning, burning records. Parents were like taking records out of their, their kids' bedrooms and burning them, mm-hmm. you know, like they were refusing that. Like this was,
0: this was something that was horrible, like for, <laughs> for their souls yeah, <laughs> kind well, of thing. Right. And that's the thing is like, I think this comes down to like familiarity, like music has a a progression, you know, it, uh, over time it changes and it evolves, but it kind of evolves from what's familiar into something new, but it's not usually, at least in my awareness of it, which I could be totally incorrect. I don't know, but, um, it doesn't just drastically totally change. You know, there might be a new style that's introduced, but then it kind of has to catch on, you know? And I think that, uh, you know, that's, that goes the same for really anything is that, you know, original is not so much about doing something that's entirely new but it's kind of often working with what's familiar and and altering that and evolving that or changing yeah. that in some way.
1: Well, you know, this is reminding me of our, of our last chat. You know, we talked about standing on the shoulders of giants. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can look at at something that someone else has done, you know, that that was terrific. Something that you really responded to and said, yeah, I really loved what they did. Well, beautiful because you don't have to do what they did. They've, because they've already done it. Mm -hmm. You can, you can take that. And now you're actually in an, in an advantageous position because now you can, you can take it further. Mm. You can, you can take what they've done. You can take the groundwork that they've laid and you can build something else on top of that. Right. Right. But trying to recreate that exact thing is, you know, you're never going to really be able to do it. And also why would you want to, because Mm -hmm. we've already got it.
0: Yeah. 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 And you know, cliche is funny too, because people walk around like a walking cliche where they're trying to be (laughs) someone else, you know, and they dress like that person and do what that person does. And you know, it's like celebrity copying basically, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, cliche is, uh, it's something that, you know, it's funny because I, I, you know, and I I harp on the education system, but I think, you know, there's good reason to. It's, you know, it teaches a lot of people to conform. It teaches you to follow groupthink. It teaches you to follow the rules. And, you know, and I think a lot of the time the rules and and groupthink lead you towards cliches. You, you know, I think, I think finding your originality and getting away from cliches is, is about asking yourself questions, you know, like, what do I think about that? What do I know about that? You know, um, and, 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 and really trusting that you are an authority and you might not necessarily have the best answer, but you have your answer and whatever your answer is, is true to you. And it, you know, and I think it's tough because we're, we're taught to follow so much that we, I think we don't even hear our own thoughts and opinions anymore. We just kind of take on opinions of other people and other things because, you know, that's what's constantly, you know, put at us. But, you know, I, that's, you know, I try to, what I try to do when I write and a, a friend of mine, I think I mentioned this before, but, you know, she pointed out to me, she's a writer as well, but she pointed out to me, is like, hiking is a part of your job as a writer. And she, you know, and I think I thought about that a lot. I'm like, yeah, that's true. Because when I'm off hiking, I'm in my own world, thinking about things in nature, away from media, away from other people's opinions, and I'm asking, and I have time in silence to just move and think, you know. And and I think that's what helps me come up with some original thoughts, you know. But like when you're watching television and you're watching all these movies and and you're constantly bombarded by the news and all this other stuff and people how are you going to come up with original thoughts? I mean, you're getting all their thoughts, you know, and they're polluting your system. And I'm not saying they're not valid. I'm not saying they're not good, but I think this is the, this is where cliches come from. They, they come from the things that, you know, our environment, right? Um, the thing about nature, which I love is nature is not a cliche. There's nothing cliche about nature. It's, it's constantly changing, evolving, growing, you know, things are somewhat predictable in the sense of the seasons, but you know, you, you know, nature is just this kind of, it's like just this powerful and, and somewhat unpredictable force when you're in it. Like try being at sea, you know, and then tell me that the ocean is predictable. You know what I mean? Like there's, I've been at sea. I mean, I've been in a boat where the waves were higher than the boat. I was scared. Oh, yeah. I was so scared. I mean, we're, we're boats going up and you're going down and you're seeing the next wave and it looks like it's going to come over top of you. And yeah. sometimes they do. And it's, uh, you know, it's a wild experience. You know, you start to realize how, you know, there's this, there's these things that are going on beyond you, you know? And I I think that, uh, um, you know, Larry Silverman, your mentor, Silverberg, Silverberg, Larry Silverberg said, you know, um, art doesn't inspire art. Life inspires art. What was it? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. He said, uh, he said, well, he was speaking to acting, but he said, acting does not fuel your acting. Yeah. Um, life fuels your acting. life fuels your act.
0: Well, it's the same yeah. way. That's my point is that, you, you know, if you, if you go like movies, don't inspire you to write better movies. They do to some degree, but, but the thing is, is that if you're only getting your resource from other movies, you're going to copy other movies. You need to go out and you need to, you know, I think the best ideas. Yes. I watch a lot of movies. I get a lot of access to movies and, and I, I call upon those, but like where a lot of the best resources come from are from things that are outside of the movies that you add to what you've already experienced, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 I, 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 yeah, I think like from, because yeah, there's not to say that you don't get something out of watching. I mean, especially if you're, if you know, you're in a medium of, of writing or making movies or whatever that, you know, it's, there is a degree to which it's also important that you see what's happening. You know, you see the kinds of movies that people are making um, and to continue to watch them because you can be inspired from them. But I think the inspiration comes from a place of, of it's, it's an emotional one, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's from the story truly just, you know, connecting to you. And then that's the kind of inspiration you get from it that makes you go like, Oh, I want to make a movie that makes people feel the way that that movie made me feel.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Right. And, but from there, you know, you, you, you don't just set about to go and make a movie that's already been made, you know, find your own, your own voice, find your own story to tell. Um, you know, like, and, and it's, and it is, it's about asking yourself questions, you know, really getting in touch. with So and, and really listening to, to your thoughts to actually, you know, we're, we're not accustomed to really taking a look at the way that we think and how we think and what we believe about things. You know, we're not, we're not in that habit of doing that kind of work. But I think that as, as artists, it's, it's so important that we get really connected with ourselves and ourselves in the world and how we feel about the world, you know, and, and start to ask these questions about like, well, what is a hero to me? Mm -hmm. What does a hero, what does a real hero look like in my mind? How do they act? What is a villain? Mm -hmm. What is a villain actually? You know, like what is, you know, like what is struggle? You know, like what is like, we have a different way of seeing all of it. You know, we have, and our own experience of these things and not what is it, but what do I know about it? What do I know about it? Yeah. And, and getting in touch with that, because that's, that's the story. Those are, those are the stories that you should tell, you know, and there's so many types of stories that you could tell within that. But getting in touch with, with those things that you, those sort of things that you believe about, about the world, you know, that you that you hold on to. I mean, that doesn't mean that those things won't necessarily change at some point. You know, um, but there, that's your voice. You know, and and yeah. that voice is is again, it's it's unique to you. It might be familiar to the voices of other people, but it's, it is uniquely yours. It is uniquely yours. You'll never see anything exactly the same as somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's your truth. That's that at this moment in time, that's your truth about whatever that is at this point in time and inject, inject that into your work, inject that into your storytelling
0: yeah. I think your experiences, you know, really fuel your, your creativity too. I mean, you know, I was thinking about, a there's a pilot that, uh, I've written, I, I co-wrote it with some other writers and it's really good. It's really funny. And, uh, you know, I, I actually, um, it almost got made at one point, but that fell through and, you know, it might potentially still get made. Um, but it's, uh, is interesting because the whole story came out of, is basically about these group of kids in college. And, uh, they had a recreation, a sports recreation group. Like it was basically everybody kind of just does recreational sports, but they're kind of the organizers of it. And they're just a bunch of rift raft kids from different areas and whatever. But the whole story, it's, it's really funny, I think. But, um, the whole story came out of the idea, my friend and I, we were like, laughing and joking about being in college being in university and like you go to one office and you'd be like okay I need to get this form signed or whatever and they'd be like okay we got to go to this office first get it signed over there and then you can come back here and you can get it signed and we're like it's all the way across campus like what the hell like why do I have to go like literally and so we thought that was so funny we're like universities is like, so funny. There's this, it's supposed to be this place where there's all these smart people, but it's so dumb. Like there's so many dumb things that are in place. Like, just, yeah. and, and, and there's this countless things. We started like listing off and we just thought about those and we were like, let's make a show about this. Like, and it, originally it started out, it was just going to be one guy. And it was like, just, it was, I think it was probably even, it just blossomed, but it was going to be one guy who was basically just like, like, you know, he would have a silly university event that happened every episode, you know, like, right. And it would be, and I think it was, it was going to be like a short, almost like a web series originally or something. And they would have to like, for one, he'd have to get this paper signed and he had to like go through the hardest thing ever to get this piece of paper signed. So he could like, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and then eventually we were like, well, we started, we threw in like five other characters, you know, into the story. And then they were all, you know, and then there were a great little group. And then we started creating this one, like this, basically this Dean who she didn't want any more on her plate. She didn't want any more of a hassle. And we were like, cause we were, you know, every once in a while you deal with this teacher or someone who you know, who would basically be like, just like they hated their job. Like everything was extra work for them. You know, it's like, and so we're like basing these characters off of experiences we were having. This wasn't coming from like, we didn't watch some show and then be like, oh, let's do it. Like they did it. We were like, this is actual life. And, And then I remember when I pitched the script, um, and they said, how the hell did you come up with this? Like that was the first thing Like, how, how did you do this? And I was just like these are these are our experiences. I mean, yeah, we took liberties. Like we took a lot of liberties. Yeah. But it all started from these are our crazy university experiences. Like, you know, yeah, playing dodgeball with truth. people and they're so goddamn intense. That they're yeah. like, like it's life or death to them. It's like chill out. It's a dodgeball game, you know what I mean? But like people are like like getting like in fights and stuff and we kind of took a lighter joking side to it, but we were like, this is so funny. And the thing is, is everyone who was reading this script was just like, they're in stitches because especially people in university, because they're like, this is so true, you know? Um, but anyway, my point is, is that this is the thing. This is how you naturally beat a cliche. You, you, you just call upon life, you know? Yeah. Life has all sorts of funny things. If you have your eyes open and you're paying attention, You know, you find it all over. You know. Yeah, and you can just and the thing also too is like it's some of the stuff such is so simple. Yeah, so simple,
1: so simple. But like all of these amazing original things can come out of that simplicity. Yeah. You know, when you try to go like too complex right out of the gate, like I think that you start to get into the cliches because you're like, oh, like how am I gonna how am I gonna do all of this? So you just start drumming up whatever whatever you can, but if you start from something simple, that's a building off point. You know, it's always, you know, with anything, it starts off with the foundation. You lay down like, you know, something real simple and then everything grows, grows out of that. Um, you know, as you were talking, I was just, I was thinking about super (laughs) bad.
0: Yeah. Super bad. Like what a,
1: what a terrific familiar, but completely original comedy. Yeah. You know, when it came out, you know, and, and then there's all the copycats that, that come after, although Superbad, I don't, can't even remember of any copycat movies from Superbad. Yeah, there was
0: some, I don't remember them. That's the thing. You don't remember copycats. That's the thing about a cliche is you don't remember it because it's not original. It hasn't, it has like almost no impact.
1: Yeah. But I mean, that movie came out of, you know, um, you know, Seth Rogen and, uh, Evan Goldberg's sort of like their, I don't know if uh, an actual true life experience, but you know, out of their sort of their childhood, right? Of them hanging out and being friends. But the story itself is really about these two, like, like Seth and Evan, like getting booze to bring to the party. Yes. totally
0: simple concept totally simple but
1: all of these other things because now it's like oh and then there's these girls involved and there's this whole thing about graduation and one of and they're going to different schools yeah and you know and it was this really fantastic fantastic hilarious story that had you know all of these really beautiful beautiful little moments but yeah it all came out of these two guys just trying to Get alcohol for a party, uh, uh, to to bring and and impress girls, yeah. basically. <laughs> and if you haven't seen Super Bad, then like yeah, go see it. Go see it.
0: Well, you know it's funny because uh, you know there was uh, this girl who um, I, th- I think it came out of this, but she really liked this guy, and she uh, and this is in the same university, so she kept trying to basically find situations where she could be around him. <laughs> and then we created this character in the story was, was, uh, a stalker. <laughs> and it's like, but it's her, you know, but she wasn't like, you know, your typical stalker is like funny because she didn't see herself as a stalker. You know what I mean? Yeah. She just sees herself as some girl that's trying to be around the guy, but then yeah. things start getting weird. And we have this one scene <laughs> was so funny because, but you know, and it's so funny how things just happen, right? Because one of the characters, her name's Holly, she's kind of your, she's kind of your female tip. She's more your female typical lead. And then we have this other character, Eli, who's more your male typical lead. These were more of our safe characters or more yeah. of our straight characters. They were still funny and still kind of idiots in certain ways, but <laughs> they, um, they were just the, the, the more safer, relatable characters, yeah. but they have kind of this crush going on and you know, they're, you know, you're Ross and Rachel or whatever. They're kind of like, you know, they're, you're kind of hoping at some point, probably they'll get together, but you don't know. Right. And at one point, um, and Holly, I don't know where this came about, but she had a deathly fear of water. She was just scared. Like she, she not know how to swim. And she just, you know, actually one of the writers now that I think about it, cause we had, there was a Three other guys and myself. Um, one of the other writers was deathly scared. Of, oh no, no! It wasn't one of the writers. It was my, it was my buddy who was scared of swimming. Now I remember. Okay. He we would hang out by the pool, and he would talk about how when we were in Hollywood, we'd be sitting by the pool and just like life would be so great. And I'm like, yeah, but you never go in the water. And he's just like, it's okay. I can hang out around the pool. <laughs> but anyway, so Holly was, I guess, loosely based off of him, which is odd, but <laughs> anyway, so she's, <laughs> who down, knows, right? Yeah. I don't know. You don't know where this stuff comes from. And then, uh, anyway, Eli and her go to the pool and it's an outdoor pool or whatever. It's all based on being in university of British Columbia, UBC. And so they're at the pool. And he's got a rope tied to a dinghy and he's like sitting there like a lifeguard and she's, and he's just holding the rope, right? And she's just out in a dinghy floating in the water and he's trying to help her face her fear, right? And she's just in the middle. And then Stella, who's this stalker who always wants to be around him, ends up showing up, but like startles him and like he ends up dropping the rope and then she floats out like in the middle of this pool and she's like, help me, like, right? And meanwhile, he's like dealing with Stella. And it was like, this really hilarious scene, but it was like all based on this one little situation. And you know, it's funny because that never happened by at all. But the thing is, is these little life experiences all inspired this kind of wonderful little scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. Based on, on, um, on an element of truth. Yeah.
1: It's right. That's like one of the things I, um, teach in, in Meisner and stuff in terms of, you know, preparation for actors when, you know, you've got to come into a, to a scene like, you know, super angry or, or, you know, whatever the, or super happy or whatever the emotion is, doesn't matter. Right. But like when you've got to do a preparation, you know, to cut, to get yourself into that place and come to the scene and, and an emotion that's going to help sort of drive the scene as well. Um, but yeah, it's like we always say, it's like, it's, um, it's, from your imagination based on an element of truth. And I think that that's, you know, uh, the same thing would apply is, is applicable for, for writing story, hmm. you know, it's just like take an element or, or with, with painting or music, you know, like find an, an element of truth in your life that you can touch on and see what springs out of that.
0: Hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's then the thing.
1: Use your imagination. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, then take liberties with it, right? Yeah. Like, but I think you know, I look at most, uh, of these great, you know, one, one comedy I really like, especially in their first couple seasons was community mm. because there are so many of those things that happened in that show. where Whereas like these guys clearly went to university because they have, these are the real things that we would deal with. Like you, you know, but they were kind of taken to an extreme. Like yeah. they never were like that, but there was things where you could kind of find this nugget of truth in there. You're like, you know, where, and, and it was just so funny. Like, it's such a funny show to me because like, I'm like, yeah, like I know this is like taking it further, but it, it had experiences that I could relate to. And I think that, you know, you don't even have to have gone to university it because it came from a place of truth. I believe it had ways in which you could connect. It didn't matter where you were in life. You could just connect period because it had those, those things like it had like, you know, real friendships and whatever, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah, I don't know. You need to take and liberty. It some really unique characters in it too. Cause yeah, I'm a, I'm a
1: big fan of, of community as well and what they did with that. And, and yeah, it, it takes stuff that's familiar, but it, it also did a, a terrific job of, of sort of poking fun at some of the cliches of like some of the characters, mm-hmm. you know, that were there, which even the, the characters are so interesting and unique. Um, but like there's elements about them that are kind of cliche, yeah. but, uh, you know, uh, Dan Harmon, who is the creator and, and, a, you know, head story guy on that one. Like he's really, really a terrific writer. Yeah. Um, but like, I love just some of the little jokes that he would play in that, you know, and Jeff Winger being, you know, the popular cool guy, right? Like they all sort of like had those types of those archetypes about them. Right. Like, and then there was Troy who was like, the, the high school like football star. And then you, but had, then they played against but Then it. they play against it. That yeah. was the
0: thing about him, which I like so much is he was this high school football star, but now he was kind of this almost like quirky nerdy kid. Like, yeah, like it, it, it didn't just play into the cliche. That was the great part about it because you know, the funny thing about, um, going from high school into, into college is that you can kind of reinvent yourself because nobody knows you. So you kind of get to restart in a way. Yeah. And it, um, it's funny too, because also your glory in high school doesn't carry over to college. You know, people don't give a crap that you were the lead quarterback, unless yeah. you're the lead quarterback of college. You know what I mean? And of course he's in a community college, so it doesn't matter anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's really neat. Like just the way they positioned the characters to be in these situations. Like if they were going to some, you know, what what are those like Varsity type schools, you know, or whatever. I, I don't know what the term is, but if they were going to one of those big universities, where it's a big deal to be a football player, he might have gone into the cliche. But because it was this crappy, like literally lower than crappy community college, he his football status didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it, it it really made it unique. You know, it really played a great dynamic that you yeah, know, you know, you don't always see. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it's, it,
1: there were, there were those archetypes like way underneath it, but then yeah, they just played against it. They found ways of, you know, doing different things with it, you know, and one of them was like, you know, kind of like a, a bit of a religious fanatic. And then you had the other one who's like the, the bookworm and the other one who is you know, but, and, and there were moments where it was satirical, like, well, I mean, the show is so satirical, like in terms of, you know, it makes fun of other sitcoms and other shows constantly, but it pokes fun at itself all the time and its characters and, and sometimes plays into the cliches intentionally. And, but then for the most part was off doing its own, off doing its own thing.
0: Totally. That was a great show. Well, um, I've been enjoying this beer that you got. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of hoppy. It's a little hoppy, a little darker.
1: Yeah, it's, um, this one is from Brassneck and, uh, this is the Centennial APA, Centennial Hopped APA.
0: All right. I've never had this one. And,
1: uh, yeah, yeah, me neither. So I saw that one. I'm like, Ooh, I've never seen that that little bad boy
0: yeah brass neck always throwing in some curveball always for us. throwing some curveballs they get in. a lot of love from us they, they've been on the show many a time they have been featured mm-hmm. featured almost as much as 33 acres maybe well they're close those two yeah you know? they're close in distance and because they're both close to where we usually do this podcast
1: and close to our hearts they're yeah,
0: <laughs> close to our hearts thank you for being
1: so convenient <laughs> yes indeed and for having so many wonderful beers yes exactly
0: all the time um yeah, I don't know. You want to wrap it up? Yeah, sure. Let's uh let's wrap it. Let's wrap it. So clichés. Clichés. So, uh, you know, the thing that I think that I'm pulling from this is I like the term that you came up with. Um I'm going to close it out for my thoughts. Uh, I like the term you came up with familiar. Familiar I think is important and it's something that we need to we need to definitely consider when we're creating and telling stories and 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 making music or doing art, period. I mean, I think familiar is important. If it's if there's no familiarity, I think um it's going to take a bit of a reach to get people, you know. It's it's more risky. I don't know if pe- people might latch on to it, but yeah. you just don't know. But familiar, I think um and I think more movies at least get made being familiar than they do unfamiliar. Um and that's part of commercialism is I think with movies at least is for the most part, they want to know that something's familiar, you know, but they don't want it to be common. They don't want it to be cliche. Um, so that's what I'm taking from this. And I think that when you're, you know, it's, there's totally unique. I'm, this is the way I'm kind of looking at it. There's totally unique, one of a kind, never been seen or done before. Then there's familiar, which is mostly unique, but we've seen elements that are similar. Then there's common, which is not very unique, maybe a little unique, but mostly we've seen it all before. And then there's cliche, which we've seen it all before and there's nothing original. And I think that your ideas kind of fall into one of those four categories. So original and cliche are probably kind of a little bit danger zones. Familiar is probably the ideal. Common is okay, but try to be familiar, not common. That's that's what I took away from that. And then I would also say that originality is inspired from life, from truth, from and then you take liberties with that truth. But don't go and look at other things and copy those other things. I think what that's gonna do is that's not truth, that's someone else's truth that you're trying to take a liberty with and it and it gets closer to common and cliche. Yeah. The, that's how I, I I took this talk.
1: All right. Yeah. I like it. Right. you got a whole new classification system.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but I like that. You know, that's one of the things I like about these conversations is at the end of it you know, I find that I get more refined with the words I use. And I think words are a very powerful thing, you know? Oh yeah. Shakespeare, words, 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 you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Was that Shakespeare? Wasn't it? Words, words, words. Yeah,
0: it was. Um, It was. Uh, but I don't remember which play it was from, but, um, regardless, words are powerful, you know, and the more we are able to refine these things, the better an understanding we can have of something you know, when we go from having a very crude understanding to something that's very much more refined. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. For, for me, this, yeah, like it's, um, like the big thing is, is like from, for like a personal thing is, is to, is to trust that you are an original human being, like know that you, if, if you allow yourself to be an original human being, you will be, and you are, um, to trust your 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 life experience and and to look at at how you understand things how you und- and and how you can bring that into your work and and yeah to stand as to to sort of <laughs> piggyback off of our last talk yeah to to stand on the shoulders of giants take take the things that have inspired you and then see how you can take it a step further. Mm -hmm. There's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying something like that to yourself and believing that you can do something like that. Um, but yeah, like, you know, and, and we don't need, need artists to create something that's already been done before. We need something that's, that's new and, and original and to get into what, we're talking about with like familiarity, you know, like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with familiar. Like there's, you know, if the, a movie or something itself or a book or a painting like that, there's already familiarity with that in itself. You know, it's familiarity with a medium on a, on a very basic level, but you know, the, you, you look at something like, um, like the, you know, like the dark night like The Dark Knight, you know, Christopher Nolan's second Batman movie. Batman's a character we're all quite familiar with, and it, we're all quite familiar with Gotham and, you know, his, and, and Batman and his villains and his cast of characters and the type of world that he's in. It was all very familiar, but within that movie, Christopher Nolan did something that nobody ever saw done in a superhero film before. You know, and he brought things to it that nobody had ever seen brought to a superhero film before. Mm-hmm. So there's there's nothing wrong with it if if you if you, with familiar because like I I I feel like there might still be people who are like no like it's all got to be completely original. It's like well it's. That's it's almost a kind of balance. It's, you know, yeah, it's it's a balanced thing, and yeah, yeah, it's a balancing. There's nothing. And it's wrong an and awareness
0: and, thing. It's about being aware. I think the thing is, is like you know, it's interesting because I always tell people this because you actually in in the before we got financing for this uh, burning blue script, you gave me notes amongst everybody else, and I think your note was the most powerful and was the thing that really turned the tide for the script. What you said to me was take everything that seems cliche and try to find some originality and find your own way of saying that same idea. And I did, I went in and I did that, you know, and I'm doing that more and more all the time. And I look at that and I go, yeah, like that was really, um, powerful advice. And I think what the thing is, is that what I realized was that the cliche was not a problem, but my lack of acknowledgement of it, my lack of awareness of it, was a problem. But once I, once I looked at the script and I went, Oh man, that's totally cliche. Then I could do something with it. But if I'm just like, no, no, the writing is fine. Like there's no cliches. It's all, you know, it's, and I think that's the thing about cliches is they're sneaky because when you do them, you kind of think they're your idea, but it isn't until you kind of take a step back and you look and you go, Oh wait, I've actually kind of done something I've already seen before. And, and when you, a cliche, I think is like an initial building block that this is what I experienced. It's like an initial building block. I had an idea, I did it in a cliche way, but then I took that idea and I go, the idea is good. It's just a delivery was cliche. So let's make that delivery of this same idea new. And all of a sudden, boom, it's like, it's not even a cliche. It's like, it's, it's, it's familiar. Yeah. And it's original but it's not common. Yeah, It it was unique because it was my own version of this idea. And
1: it makes it so much more exciting Yeah, too, like for yourself and, and for your audience. It really does. It's like, oh wow. I I never seen that. Like you like, yeah, it's such a simple flip like that. So,
0: yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, uh, I think that's kind of what we're getting at is originality. Like they say, don't reinvent the wheel, you know, make it better, make the wheel better, but don't, don't reinvent it. I mean, there's certain things that already work. We don't need to We don't need to do it differently. Yeah. We already know certain things work. So let's work with what works. But now from what works now, find some ground that's never been treaded on. Yeah. You know, and start
1: small and start simple. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's good. Start small, start simple. Anything else?
1: That's it. All right. I'm going to leave it at that. (laughs)